tonight we're calling tonight's teaching Holy, and it's the first of a two-part series called Holy, pulled from a theme verse that is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 27, and that's part of the two verses that, we've select, that I've selected to be our theme verse uh, for the series, but uh, a complementary verse is found in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 2. Many of you will recognize this verse because this was a verse that we touched on several times in our last series uh, about love. And so uh, I want you just to go ahead and be bold and read uh, these two verses out loud with me. And let's start with the one from Leviticus 19.2. It says this, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And then Ephesians 5, 27 says this. Let's read it out together. That he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And so that's, that, that's where we'll get our title for our two, our two parts of this series, Holy and Blameless. God made a declaration to uh, the nation as he was imparting his law, his commandments, as he, was, as he was preparing them to move from their identity of being people of slavery to being the people of God, to being the nation uh, that is called by his name and, his, and the revelation of, of his ways and his, his nature to all the nations of the earth. And in the, in the preparation of giving them their law and, and describing to them how he wanted them to be, he made this declaration that you shall be holy because I am holy. And I, I think the word holy, for a lot of people, is a scary word, an intimidating word, a word that, oh, you're going to talk about holy? Can't you talk? I mean, we liked love. That was fun. That was easy. That's, uh, that's not so threatening. But holy? Come on, Jeff. And I'm, I'm hoping that you fall in love with the idea of holiness, okay? And, I, and my, I, my, uh, my heart for you is for it not to be an intimidating concept, for not to be something that is scary to you, not something that, that causes you to kind of withdraw, but that you actually recognize over these, these two weeks, that you recognize that holiness is something that is just as much a part of our lives in God as love is. Because what did he say? I want you to be holy because I am holy. All right. And what we discovered when we, when we talked about love is God is love. And Jesus' command was, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. And, and he actually moved the, the standard of love from just loving others the way that we love ourselves to loving one another as he has loved us. And, and, we, and he's actually, he brought us into an understanding that the only way to love the way that he loves us is to actually love with his love and to actually descend his love. And we can't just do that on our own. We actually have to by have his life, his spirit, his nature be, be the extension of love because God is love. Well, God is love, and he's also holy. Instead of having holiness be something that is uh, a mystery, frightening, uh, intimidating, I just want us to look at the many scriptures where God talks about this concept. And I'm going to just, from a pastoral heart, kind of walk through a very basic, very basic very fundamental principle that when, you, when we grasp it, it will hopefully take some of the intimidation factor off of it. Because look at the second scripture here. 
that, it is, that he wants to present to himself the church in all of her glory that she would be holy and blameless. So we have an, an uh, Old Testament st a statement of this and a New Testament statement of this. This is something that's been in the Father's heart. He didn't change his mind when the New Testament came along. It wasn't like he was holy in the Old Testament and he's loving in the New Testament. Sometimes we kind of get that idea. Well, you know, he's, he was holy and unapproachable. And now he's, he, you know, because Jesus came, now he's very approachable. And so, so he kind of got over the holiness thing. That, that's just not true about him. He's still holy. And he still wants us to be holy. In fact, he wants us to be holy and blameless. And he wants to present us unto himself. And he wants, when he receives <coughs> us into his very presence, when he receives us into his his domain, into his kingdom, into his heaven. We have to be as he is. We, we can't be something different or, or foreign or, or uh, something that he can't relate to or respond to. We have to actually take on his very nature for us to have this, this unity. And that's his intention, is to put his life in us and to change us so that we become like him. Does that make sense? All right. So let's, let's, let's dive into it. And you should have in the boxes on the left there, it should be a word that says holy is, right? You have that and then you have some blanks. So we're just going to tonight, we're just going to look at five different uh, descriptors of what holiness is and just try to, try to uh, help you become more familiar in understanding what the whole concept is. But the, well, we want to start with the establishment that holy is God's being. Holy is God's being being. God is holy. It's who he is. God's not an it. God's a person. God, you know, the, 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 uh, we conjugate the word I am as a form of the verb to, to be, right? And G, uh, God called himself I am. He is the ultimate being. And all that, all that we become in him, we are, we are t taking on his nature, his character, his, who he is. And he has is, he is clearly declared that the being of his holiness is who we become in him. All right? Uh, so let's, let's just look at uh, some of these scriptures here, because there's a lot of them. And I, I don't want to take time and in, in, in spend a lot of time on every scripture. Uh, so please just pray for my own discipline in this, in this uh, process. But there's so, so many words, and I don't want to keep you tonight. But um, there was a moment where Isaiah the prophet had a vision. And in this vision, he was suddenly in the presence of God. And he, he said he, he saw God, and he was high and lifted up. And he was, he was awestruck in the presence of God. This was this vision that he had. And he said that there was these, these creatures that, that flew about in the presence of the Lord around his throne. And they were two of them. And the scripture says that, that they would call out one to the other. And it says here, And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And Isaiah had this vision in the presence of God, these two creatures. Um, they were a very special kind of creature. They were different than, than how the angels are, are described. But I want you to, to see that in the presence of God, these declarative 
worshipers. They would call out to one another and remind one another. And their declaration was, can you say it with me? Holy, holy, holy. This is a very, very unusual, very powerful declaration. Because this scripture right here, and there's only one other scripture that, that reflects this one. And the, and the other scripture that reflects this one, and we'll, and we'll talk about it next week, is found in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's another revelation of the throne of God. And it's in the presence of God where this same thing is declared that God is, say it with me, holy, holy, holy. And it's the only declaration about God in all the scriptures that is triply enunciated. It's the only thing said about God that's said three times about him. Now, God is holy. There's all kinds of ways we can describe God, but, but this one mm, characteristic, this one aspect of God is in these two places of Scripture, and it's the only, the only thing ever said about God that's said three times in a row like this. Holy, holy, holy. And it's, and it's, like, it's like the voices go back and forth, and they're constantly reminding them and all who would hear it that the whole earth is filled with his glory. God is holy. He's perfect. He's complete. There is no flaw in him. He will never change. Anything that he has ever said, anything that he's ever declared, it happens. It's true. It's real. It's yes. It's amen. He is the source of everything. He is the source of life. And he is always holy. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. Look what it says here in Ephesians 5. Oh, we read that. Ephesians 5.27. It is intended God that he would present to himself the church in all of her glory. Now, isn't that interesting? Having no spot or wrinkle, any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. So the, so the cherubim are, are declaring in the heavens, the earth is filled with his glory, and it's God's intention is that the church in her glory would be brought holy and blameless before him. So what is our glory? Our glory is God's presence within us. The only thing that makes the church glorious is the fact that the holy God has set up his spirit within us. And what makes us glorious is that we're no longer living for ourselves and our own agendas. We're no longer living our lives just as independent, uh, self-fulfilling uh, mm, but when we come and we give our lives to Jesus and we surrender to him and he puts his life and his spirit in us and we begin to love one another, all of a sudden the glory of the Lord starts filling the whole earth. It fills terra firma, the earth that he made us out of. We become the expression of God on earth, not just plants and trees, but the people of the earth start <coughs> revealing the glory of God. His holiness lives within us. And that is what the church is ultimately, God calling humanity to be filled with his spirit, to be filled with his holiness, and, he's, and he draws us unto himself, and he does it for us. Look what it says in Colossians 1.22. Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. You're not holy, you're not blameless, you're not beyond reproach because of anything that you do. We're only holy because of what he has done for us. 
And when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price to forgive us our sins. His blood washes away anything that separates us from, from him. And he places his Holy Spirit within us. And once his spirit is within us, we are now of him. We're made to reflect his image, to reflect his glory. And he declares for us to be holy. It's who he is. So, holiness, I'll just start by saying this. Holiness is not something that you do. You can't do holiness. You can only be holy. And you're only holy not because you do something or you don't do something. You're holy because of who he is in you. Does that make sense? I don't know how long you've been a Christian, but, but uh, for many, many, many years, the church had a tendency to define people's holiness by what they did or didn't do. They actually said people are, are holy if they don't wear makeup or they wear their hair a certain way or their clothes are a certain length or, or if they don't. And they had all these rules and regulations that kind of determined. And if people did the naughty things, all of a sudden they were no longer holy. And you know what? That's, it's just not biblical. God, God doesn't, doesn't declare our holiness based on our activities. He declares our holiness based on, on his life within us. Now, his life within us should change our activities. Okay, But it's not, there's no activity that will make you holy. There's no activity that will make you unholy. Does that make sense? But, but our lives are begin, begin to more and more reflect as we, as we recognize who he is in us and as we yield to his spirit, as we yield to his word, as we yield to his influence in our lives, our lives will more and more reflect the nature and the character of Jesus within us. And we'll actually see, we will see that which he's put within us as holy. We'll see our lives begin to reflect his glory more and more and more and more. Okay, let's, let's move on. The second fill in there is holy is distinctive. It's distinctive. And we'll discover this more as we, as we go through this, but the idea of holiness or something that was holy, the word in the, in the original Hebrew, it really meant to be set apart. It means dedicated. It means, uh, another word used was consecrated, okay? Something that was holy was said, this is, is drawn out of just normality, and it's brought into something that is God's. And once it was dedicated to God, once it was given to God, once it was God, it then became holy. And it's no longer just common anymore. Now there is a distinctiveness to it. There's a, a specialness to this. And in, in God's system that he, that he taught him in the law, you know, he, he, established a, he established a holy place which was the tabernacle where they come. And in the tabernacle, there was holy things. The instruments that they would use would be considered holy and set apart for God. And you couldn't just, you couldn't just use, use uh, uh, the, the bowl that was used to wash the hands of the priest. You couldn't just you know, throw the water out and then go you know, cook some stew in it because it was set aside for God. There was, it was consecrated. It was, it was established to be only used for the purposes that God had set it aside for. Okay, But what God was saying to them I called you to be holy. I want you to be different. 
than all the normal people that walk this planet who live by the world system and the world's value system. I want you to understand that I have called you to myself to be a unique kind of a person. And, and for years and years and years, God, after he had made this declaration, you should be holy because I'm holy, he was saying, I want you to reflect my values, my character, my principles. I want you to love like I love. I want you to, to, uh, to relate to other people the way that I relate to you. I want you to be a people that when anybody comes across my people, they understand, wow, there's something different about these people. They, they, have, they have something about them. They have an identity. They have a character. They have a nature. They have, they have a structure. They have, they, have a, they have something in them that has, makes them different than any other kind of people that we've come across. Okay? And God had called his people to be this way. But they, but they, they didn't do it. They, they refused it. They, they so longed to be like everybody else. They so longed to be not distinctive, to be popular with humanity rather than precious to God that it got, it got to a place where, where they actually started worshiping false idols. They actually started doing uh, all kinds of uh, horrible things in rebellion to God. And it got to a place where we get to this, this next, uh, these three scriptures in Ezekiel. The time of Ezekiel was a time when the nation of Israel, they had, they had served God for you know, many, many, many years. And they had gone from having a tabernacle, they had gone into the promised land, they had built a temple, and they had actually established a nation on the earth where people could see the, the, the processes and the procedures and the, and the life and the worship of God. But they turned from God and they started worshiping idols. And God kept sending men and prophets and says, listen, turn your heart back towards me. Obey me. Believe in me. I, I called you to be distinctive. <clears throat> I called you to be holy. Excuse me. But they refused and they refused. And what first happened was the, the nation of Israel was, was overrun by a foreign country and the people were carried away and they were lost. And there was a, a second part of the nation called Judah and God said warning to them, listen, I, I, pro I t told you, you need, to, you need to be holy, you need to be distinctive or the same fate's going to fall on you. And what had happened was the Babylonians came and they took all the the young people from, from Judah and carried them away to Babylon. And they destroyed the temple. And so the, the, the nation of Judah, all of its, of its young people, was living in this foreign land for about 70 years. Ezekiel was one of those young people who grew up in the foreign land. And he was a prophet of God. Now, so he never, he never lived in Judah or Jerusalem. He never went to the temple. He just, he just had God's word speaking to him. And God had made, made uh, this declaration to this nation who had completely rejected him, who had, con had completely walked away from him. This is, this is the condition of God's heart. He says, he was talking about, he's talking to these people. He says, her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the profane. They have not taught the difference between unclean and the clean. They hide their eyes from my Sabbath, and I am profaned among them. 
Ezekiel 37.7 says, 39.7 says, My holy name I will make known in the midst of my people, Israel. I will not let my holy name be profaned anymore, and the nations will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Ezekiel 44.23 says this, Moreover, they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. God was, when, when the people in the, in the midst of their judgment, in the midst of their rebellion, in the midst of their punishment, in the midst of their being uh, held captive by a foreign land, he, he was crying out to them again. He says, you guys ended up in this condition because your leaders, they, they failed to make a distinction that they, were, that they were the people of God. They were to reveal the na nature of God, the life of God. They were to, to obey his statutes, his laws, his, his, the ways that he had told them to live. They tried so hard to just be like everybody else that they actually took the name of God and they perverted it. They didn't represent the name of God. Not, and again, when we talk about the name, we're talking about his nature. It's not just you know, the title. They took the title of God's people, but they weren't, showing the, they weren't showing what God was like at all. And so he says, my name, and this was one of the Ten Commandments, don't take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Don't, don't receive my name and my nature and then have it mean nothing to you. This is what he's saying. He wasn't just talking about cussing. He was saying, my name is precious. And it, and it, and it causes you to be a, a, a unique example of who I am. He says, your leaders, my name is profane among them. It's, it's, I'm not considered holy. I'm not considered precious. I'm not considered to be worshipped and to be obeyed and to be listened to. I'm just... In their mind, I've just become another deity, just another god, just another, uh, some sort of uh, religious exercise. And, and he says, I will, I will bring about my holiness my people. And my people will understand the difference between what is being of me and just being like everybody else. And they will teach people what it's like to be holy. Because it was, it was in his heart. He says, I'm going to bring this about. Now, it's, you, the people weren't experiencing it, but he spoke to this, this man, Ezekiel, and says, I'm going to make sure. I'm going to make sure that my holiness is lived in them. Okay? Let's move on to the, to the next one, and then we're going to have a discussion question. The third one here is, holy is valuable. Holy is valuable. Okay? Matthew 7 6, and then Matthew 7, 12 says this. This is Jesus speaking in his Sermon on the Mount. Do not give what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before swine. For they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Verse 12. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. How many of you heard this, this phrase, don't cast your pearls before swine before? Have you heard this? I, I've heard that phrase used uh, in lots of ways. And the most common one that I've, I've heard it uh, used when people, uh, in my estimation, misinterpret what that means uh, they usually mean uh, to say something like, you know, if you've got something really important to say, if you've got something that's just a little pearl of wisdom, 
Don't throw it out before people who will not understand it. Don't say to people who won't appreciate it because you're just casting your pearls before swine. How many of you have ever heard it, heard it described like that, that pearls are some sort of, you know, some sort of nugget of truth that you have or some, some sort of understanding? Have you ever heard of that? That's what do we think? Because that's how I've, I've always heard that, described that way. In the, you know, your pearls. So don't, don't give your good stuff to people who don't deserve it. Don't catch your pearls before swine. I don't really believe that's what Jesus was saying at all. I believe that when Jesus says, don't take that which is holy, and throw it to the dogs. And don't take that which is a pearl and throw it to the pigs. In God's mind, that which is holy is people. Isn't that what he declared? You shall be holy as I am holy. What, 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 what was Jesus' the most precious thing that Jesus gave his life for? wasn't little tidbits of information. He gave his life for people. And in fact, I think he validates it when he says there in verse 12, and treat people as you would want to be treated. I believe that Jesus believes that that which is holy and shouldn't be cast before the dogs are people. And that's which are pearls to him and not be thrown to pigs are people. I think when Jesus is saying, when you treat people like dog food, when you treat people like pig slop, you've actually put yourself in a condition where you are like dog food, where you're like pig slop. And when you treat people like that, they're going to treat you the exact same way. And if you want them to experience my love, my nature, my kindness, my forgiveness, my healing. The only way they're going to experience that is that you treat them as holy and treat them as pearls. Does that make sense? Jesus doesn't want holiness to be, I'm better than you. I know more than you. I, I, in fact, I have, I have such a higher understanding. I'm not going to cast my pearls of wisdom before you swine. I'm not going to give you my good stuff. Jesus, that's not the Jesus. Jesus was willing to teach his word to anyone who would listen. He was willing to reveal his word. To, he, he never made a distinction. Well, you people don't quite understand, so I'm going I'm to go and only teach my wisdom to, to the elites who really understand. No, he went out to the highways and the byways, and he'd say, Anybody who's thirsty, come and let them drink. He, he was a man of the people. And in his mind, people are designed to be holy. So, in a culture like ours, how can we make a distinction between that which is holy and that which is profane without being religious or judgmental? How is it that that I can receive the life of God in me and recognize that God has called me to be holy before him, for me to live a life that is not like the rest of my culture. Because culture profanes God's name. In fact, they, they, they glorify things that, that violate the principles of God, that violate the holiness of God. That, you know, and, and, they, and they make fun of Christians or Christianities or those who would even suggest... I mean. 
It's very uncommon. I, I doubt that any of you would, would be real comfortable going into your workplace and saying, oh, no, I, I'm holy. <laughs> it sounds funny, doesn't it? It, just, it sounds like if I, if I actually walked into the a middle of a group of people who are, you know, you know, talking about, you know, the party they went to, and I said, oh, no, I'm holy. They would say, well, who are you? Holier than thou. And they would, in fact, for us to convey holiness and even use the word holiness would make them feel rejected by us. Because, we're, because culture has interpreted, well, if you think you're holy, then you think you're better than. But this is not what Jesus was trying to convey. Yes, to be holy is better, but it's not judgmental, critical, snobby, distinctive in such a way as that I reject you because I'm holy. In fact, Jesus is the exact opposite. He says, because I am holy, my Father is holy. That's how he taught us to pray. Our Father who is in heaven. What's the next phrase? Hallowed. That's holy. Holy is your name. Holy is your nature. It, 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 is, it is the fundamental part, portion of how we, how we identify with God. Jesus identified himself as holy, and he identified people as holy. Can is to be people. And he was called a drunk, a partier, a glutton. And, and, the, and the religious people rejected Jesus because he was a man of the people. I think that we need to recapture in our culture what it means to be people who are holy, who don't compromise what we believe, don't compromise our values, don't compromise our commitment to Jesus, and yet are able to draw people into what we have, which is holy, so that they can, that they can be fulfilled. Do you believe that if you really allowed Jesus to be himself through you, that that would be attractive to other people? I do. I think to the degree that people are, are offended by me or repelled by me, that's to the degree that I'm not showing Jesus, I'm showing myself. But if we, if we allow him to come through our lives, and because Jesus is what people are looking for, Jesus is what people need, and if we can allow his holiness in us to not uh, push it, but just reveal who he is to others, they are going to be drawn to him. Why do people follow the crowd? Why do they do the stuff that falls into peer pressure? From the time we're in junior high to the time we're in you know, fifth grade, we have all this pressure to do the stuff that everybody else is doing. And a lot of people get caught up in all kinds of destructive behaviors because that's <coughs> what is accepted. That's what's cool. That's what peer pressure, that's what other people, and they, and they don't want to stand apart. They want to kind of blend in. And we carry that into our, our adult life and, it's, and really what it is, is a, it's a sense of insecurity, right? We, we, we kind of carry a childlike, well, man, if, if I stand up for what I believe, or if I live what I believe, or if I, if I do stuff that's different and, I, and, I, and I, I stand out too much, then, you know, people will judge me. People will criticize me. And it's really a lack of confidence in, in ourselves. What Jesus is trying to teach us is we, should, we shouldn't be so worried about having confidence in ourselves but confidence in him in us. And then as I, the more and more we're yielding our lives and our hearts to him, the more and more that we don't have to be embarrassed, we don't have to be ashamed, we don't have to try to impress other people, but that we can actually live through his holiness, through his life. 
talking about it this way, does it kind of make holiness less scary? Immediately, it just kind of takes down the walls. It doesn't make it, doesn't make it feel like, well, God's out there somewhere and, and I'm somewhere. Up. No, he's living in me. And so therefore, I've received holiness, so I might as well kind of accept it. I might as well get comfortable with it. I might as well add it to my list of who I am. And uh, I'm not suggesting that you walk into the work tomorrow and say, guess what? Pastor Jeff told me I'm holy. Because <laughs> I'd rather you be holy than try to declare that you're holy. Because that's going to be the witness. It's, it's the witness is, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something different. And you have respect and you have dignity and you don't judge people. And yet, yet you don't try to do what everybody else is doing just to be like everybody else. You're willing to be your own person and there's something about you. There's a confidence. There's, a, there's, a, there's an assurance. There's a, I don't know what it is, but I like it. I wish I had that. And that's the key. That if we allow Jesus to rebuild our identity in him and just let his life shine, let his glory fill the earth, people will be drawn to his holiness. Okay, let's, let's flip over and get to the back part of our outline. Number uh, four, holy, is covenantal. Covenantal. C-O-N-V-E-N-A-N-T-A-L. C-O-N. Oh, I'm sorry. I spelled that wrong on my own outline. Cov. C-O-V-E-N-A-N-T-A-L. There's no N there. Thank you, Don. Covenant. We talked about this in, in the teaching of love. God is a covenantal God. He's a covenant-making God. What does that mean? God makes an agreement. He makes a commitment. It's a contract. It's a vow. We, uh, when we talked about new life, we said, uh, renegotiate your deal. Right? And Jesus made a new deal with us. He says, here's the deal. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to put my spirit in you. I'm going to, I'm going to show you how I am. And in every way that you are struggling to uh, live up to that which I expect of you, I'm going to help you do it. I'm, in fact, I'm going to fulfill both parts of the contract. You know, in, in, our, in our way of uh, living, if, if we enter into a contract with somebody, and if I don't live up to my part of the bargain, the person can sue me. And that's what people do. But in God's covenant, he says, here's the deal. I'm going to make the terms, and I'm going to fulfill both sides of the terms, and you get all the benefits of it. Because God is covenantal. And and, and throughout his entire relationship to his people, he would always set up a covenant. He made a covenant with Noah. He made a covenant with Abraham. He made a covenant with uh, uh, Isaac. He made a covenant with uh, Jacob. He made a covenant with Moses. He made a covenant with his people. And, and he says, I commit to give you my life. I commit to support you. I commit, and I ask for you to make a commitment to me. It's a relationship. It's a joint mutual relationship. In fact, our Bible, Old and New Testament, those are covenants. They're, they're terms of, of a mutual understanding. Well, his holiness is also part of the fact of a covenant. It's a covenant, a commitment that he made. Look at what the scripture says. Numbers 15, 40, and 41 says, So that you may remember to do all my commandments 
and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. Okay? What he was saying was, I had promised the land to Abraham. Everywhere that he walked, I was going to give him the land. Hundreds of years later, his family ends up as slaves in Egypt. But he says, I made a promise. I made a covenant. So I went in there and I rescued you. And I brought you out of your slavery because I'm going to be your God. And I'm going to be your Lord. And I'm going to, I'm going to fulfill my promises. I'm going to make sure that everything that I promised you, you can bank on it because I'm going to do everything I can to bring it about in your life. Okay? Deuteronomy 7, 6, and 9 says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and his loving kindness to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. God will never change. He'll never, uh, he'll never back out of a deal. Nothing that he has ever promised about who he is for you and what he'll do for you, he'll never say, oh, you know what? Change my mind, sorry. He's covenantal. He is faithful. He is reliable. You can depend on him. And he will be faithful to love you, to care for you, because you are considered his people. You are considered a representation of him. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 26, 18 and 19. The Lord has today declared to you to be his people. A treasured possession. As he promised you that you should keep all his commandments. That he will set you high above all nations which he has made. For praise, fame, and honor. And that you shall be consecrated people to the Lord your God as he has spoken. What he is saying, listen. There's all these people who walk this planet. But if you will come and you will take my name, you will identify who I am, you will allow me to put my life in you, you will follow my statutes, you, you, you will live your life the way that, that I live my life in you. It, your life will have dignity. Your life will have honor. Your life will begin to stand out from the crowd. It's, it's like he said, when he said he will present for himself the church. It's kind of like this. Uh, hi, I'm God. Okay, I'm not saying me, I'm God. Just saying, hi, uh, I'm your father, I'm, I'm the almighty God. And I've bought myself a birthday present. I've bought myself a Father's Day present. I bought myself a Christmas present. And my present is you. I purchased you to be my possession. My treasured possession. You are my pearl of great price. You're the most precious thing that I could ever have. In fact, I paid for it with my own life. You're my treasure. And, and the gift that I got, it's perfect. It's exactly what I want. 
exactly the right size, exactly the right color. It, it does exactly what, and it's you. It's you. You are my treasured possession. You're holy to me. You're perfect to me. You, I, I'm just going to just keep on putting my life in you, and more and more your life is going to reveal what's absolutely perfect. And I'm going to commit that I'm going to do everything, every day, forever, to put my life, my holiness, my righteousness, my value, my distinction in you. Because you are a treasured possession. I'm going to present you to myself. Because you're my gift to myself. You're God's gift to himself. It's kind of neat, isn't it? Okay, let's read this last one. The holy is a blessing. Holy is a blessing. Deuteronomy 28, 9 and 13 says, The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, and he, as he swore t- to you, if you keep his, the commandments of the Lord, your God, and walk in his ways. So all the peoples of the earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord. and They'll be afraid of you. The Lord will make you abound in prosperity, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your beasts, and the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open for you his good storehouse, the heavens, to give rain to your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. And you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. And you shall, will be above, and you will not be underneath. If you listen to the commandments of the Lord your God, which I charge you today, and observe them carefully. And here's a New Testament expression of the same concept. Ephesians 1, 3-4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us, in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. This is God's always plan. He says, listen, if you receive what I want to give you, your life will be blessed. Not just financially blessed, but you will have me inside of you. And you will always have the riches of my presence, of my life, of my protection, my kindness, my goodness, my faithfulness, my joy, my peace, my love. That you'll never have to kind of wander and wonder and, 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 and be orphaned, left out. That when you come into the family, when you come into the household, when you come into the, to the, the, the nation of Christ, that God will, will continually cause you to see more and more and more how incredibly valuable, how incredibly precious, how incredibly awesome His life and His Spirit is in us. And if we don't look to try to find our identity in what the world system is, and we turn and we look our eyes to the living God, 
We say, Lord, teach me your ways. Show me your ways. Let me hear your voice. Let me live my life according to the things that you do and how you want me to live my life in reflection of you. Then I will truly be blessed. The most blessed. The highest blessed. It's what he has promised for us from the beginning of time. It's what he will fulfill in us at the end of time. Is we will have him in us and we will be his beloved treasure. There is no greater blessing than the presence of God. Would you trade God for a million dollars? It'd be a bad deal on your part if he did. Because his life is priceless. Amen? Amen. Let's, let's thank him for it. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your life within us. And you called us to be as you are. You actually call us holy. In fact, when you look at us, there's no blame. There's no judgment. No criticism. No condemnation. You see us as being perfect before you because of your life within us. Because of what Jesus did to wash all the sin, all the iniquity. And Lord, we see our own flaws. We see our own inadequacies. We know the things we think and we do and we just know it just doesn't measure up to your perfection. But how awesome you are that wherever we lack, wherever we miss it, wherever we blow it, wherever we fall short, you make up the difference because you are covenantally committed to us. You will never fail us. You'll never forsake us. Nothing could ever separate us from your love, which is who you are. You've placed your spirit within us. We don't have to go climb some mountain or go to some building or do some sort of activity. You're right here within us, always. Your holiness is present. All we have to do is turn to you. And thank you for it and yield to it and invite you to show forth your glory in us so that your glory may fill all the earth and that all the people of every language, of every culture, of every, of every persuasion that we come in the midst of, we walk into the presence of the life of people who do not even know you and we're bringing the presence of the name of the nature of the character, of the being, of the distinctive value blessing of God. You're holy in our midst. And we with the cherubim declare tonight, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. May we recognize within us the one who is holy lives within us. And you've made us to be a holy people. Not weird not snobby, not religious, not judgmental, but loving, accepting, respecting, honoring, valuing, a blessing to all that we come in contact with. We thank you for it tonight, Lord Jesus. May we honor who you are. May we take your name as holy and not profane it, but may we reveal your very character and nature within us in everything that we do, and every time we fall short, Lord, remind us that our holiness is not based on us, but it's based on you. 
We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.